BDR's Prime Resources Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge you need to help your business achieve prime results, with prime being the most flourishing stage or state. Let's do this. Welcome to the Prime Resources Podcast. I'm Matt MacArthur, BDR's Director of Training. Today, our topic is protecting your small business from cyber attacks. Joining us today is Mark Tran, BDR's Logistics and Operations Support Manager. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Matt, for that introduction, and thank you for welcoming me onto this podcast. I'm grateful to be here, and hopefully I can impart some wisdom and knowledge that i learned over the last few years in cybersecurity. Hopefully, it will benefit the audience here. Uh, I have no doubt that it will, because I think this is becoming a topic and a subject that's more and more important to small businesses, and we'll get into that. But before we get too far into things, Mark, can you just give us a little background about what you do at BDR and where your expertise in cybersecurity comes from? Yeah, sure, Matt. I'd love to. So I was basically hired during the pandemic. And during that time, I was studying at Purdue University Global, trying to get a four-year degree in cybersecurity. Um, I'm in my last quarter, just got to finish a capstone project, and I will graduate basically this year. And right now for BDR, I'm the operations manager. So working on logistics, travel department, as well as operational things for the building and other operational functions for various departments. But one of the main things that drew me to BDR was working in the IT department. And so I've been working alongside Jeff Turner, who's the director of IT. And on a daily basis, we practice cybersecurity hygiene. We try to preach that to BDR team members so that we can ensure the safety and data security of BDR and BDR's clients. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen that firsthand with the uh, educational tools you've given uh, the BDR team on cybersecurity. And don't sell yourself short all that you're doing for BDR. There's lots of logistics here involved in all the travel that our trainers and coaches do, all the books that we ship for our training classes. There's a lot going on, so we're glad you're here. And it's a huge bonus that you have this cybersecurity background. So let's uh, get into our topic, Mark. And I want to start at a real basic level and just ask you, what does cybersecurity refer to? Well, simply, um, cybersecurity, I guess, over the years have become more of a foundation or educational base for training. At its most simple, it's a process and strategies that us IT people put in place to protect a business's critical systems. And we protect this from everything from sensitive data to files, folders, infrastructure systems, hardware. And we protect this from breaches from cyber attacks, such as from hackers or external forces that might want to compromise the business's integrity. And, you know, what's funny is every time us in the cybersecurity security realm, we get ahead. The hackers will try to get ahead and they'll leapfrog us. So it's basically a game of leapfrog. And we have to stay ahead of our game just to stay ahead of them. Yeah. And I think uh, that'll be real familiar to some of our listeners here where they're they're playing whack-a-mole is another way of, of talking about this in, in their business with the different challenges that they have. And cybersecurity is, as you say, is a little bit like that too. We got to whack the mole and then the, the hackers popping up in a new spot and then we've got to tackle that. Yeah, it's getting harder and harder because, you know, there's a lot of things that rely on the internet these days that small businesses might use. 
like let's say a ring camera for instance that's connected to the internet and we call these things that are connected to the internet the internet of things and basically it's the ideology of all these devices being connected to the internet where it's transferring data and stuff like that so let's just take for example your ring camera that's connected to the internet if i was a hacker and i was able to get into your network that ring camera that's watching over your business it could be hacked and i could be potentially watching you and your employees doing work at your business a lot of times these hackers they'll use all these internet devices as part of a ddos attack which that stands for distributed denial of service attack and that is used for a bigger game if I were to use all your devices and hack all these different devices, what that DDoS attack will do is limit internet connectivity and functionality. So if I wanted to hack, like, say, BDR and I had a DDoS attack happening, BDR's website could potentially go down. And that's basically the denial of service. And BDR needs its website to be up 100% of the time because we have clients and customers that use our website to go into look at BDR University and portals and stuff like that. You're already leading into the next question I wanted to ask you, Mark, so this is perfect, because I wanted to sort of set the stage on why, as contractors, why, as small business people, why do we need to be concerned about cybersecurity? It seems like it's for the Amazon and the big insurance companies and people like that, but what you just said, uh, that rings really true to me. Do you have a ring camera? Are you using field service software? Do you have a website? All of those things that are, we rely on today that are connected to a network, they could be the subject of a cyber attack. Is that right? Yes, that is uh, absolutely correct. And, you know, the funny thing is we rely so heavily on our computers and internet now, communication like email, smartphones, tablets, video games, even the PS4, PS5, Xbox, that's all connected to the internet. We have communications some day-to-day -day use like our transportation with our cars there's gps in there ev cars obviously have satellite uplinks we do shopping online so there's our files or we a lot of us save our passwords and stuff online and we have credit cards and one of the big places that hackers like to attack are medical facilities for medical records just to name a few and small businesses they need to realize that the more they become reliant on technology sensitive information like client details and customer information that's being stored online or on cloud solutions like some small businesses might be using AWS or Dropbox, Google Drive. That is all hackable. It's because we rely so much on the internet and the internet creates so much exposure. There's a lot of vulnerabilities that exist today that didn't exist years ago. And that's why small businesses more than ever need to realize the importance of cybersecurity. Yeah, and I think that's great words of advice, but giving us a little bit of the fear factor. You know, we're, we're all involved in these networked tools that we're using today. Can you talk a little bit, Mark, about why I'm going to call it small business in the sense of small compared to like Amazon or Google, these gigantic businesses? Those are the ones that typically people think about being hacked and having data breaches and things like that. Are smaller businesses becoming more of a target? Yes, they are. Small businesses often doesn't have the resources to protect themselves. So they really can't afford an IT guy like myself or a director of IT. They don't have a team in place. And a lot of times small business just doesn't have the resources to put protection in place because all of this costs money, obviously. And so they're not thinking about that. And a lot of times they're thinking, oh, I'm a small business. Why would they want to attack me? But that's wrong. 100% wrong. If I was a hacker, for me to get to a bigger company like BDR or Service Titan or something, I would go and 
I would attack the small business and compromise them. Once I've attacked you and compromised, let's just say your email, I'd send out an email to Service Titan. And because you are already registered into Service Titan's database, that email that I'm sending, perpetrating from you, might go through to Service Titan, evading any email retention policies they may have or email spam filters that they might have. So Service Titan might click on it and like, oh, it's Jill Smith with code and air heating. And they might click on it because they're thinking it's from Jill Smith. Well, that's my gateway into the bigger company. And that's where the payday is. Let's just say when a hacker does compromise their data and attack them, it's their smaller businesses. So the FBI, unless it's it's a data breach into the millions, the FBI is not going to get involved. And it's going to cost you as a small business lots of money to investigate or defend yourself. And unless it's something like big, like an infrastructure where it's like 40, 50 million dollars, like the colonial pipeline issue. FBI, CIA, they're not going to get involved. So you're not going to have the resources to defend yourself. And you're not going to know who's hacking you. It's uh, basically low risk, high reward. For the hacker. Yeah, 100%. And another issue for the small business owner is that the time. they don't. We don't have the time either to go figure out how to... Uh, recover the data we need or to go after the bad guys or to try and connect with the FBI. So we're we're vulnerable. I've, so I think this really sets up a great conversation about, okay, what do we really have to be worried about today? And then what are some things we can do to protect ourselves going forward? So let me ask you this, Mark. Let's talk some specifics about cyber attacks. What are some specific types of cyber attacks that a, a small business needs to worry about? I'm glad you asked this question. You know, Bruce Wiseman, our president, once shot an email to all of us managers saying that, hey, it seems like in the Wall Street Journal every day that there's an article out there on cybersecurity. And you know what? He's right. Just for example, recently Uber was attacked. And this attack on Uber, you know, Uber's a big giant tech company and they're trying to make cars autonomous for us to drive at some point. And imagine if somebody like Uber can be attacked, what chances does that leave to small businesses? They were attacked simply because a phishing email. These phishing emails fall under social engineering attacks. And what social engineering attacks do is they play on your emotions. You know, sense of urgency, you know, they're making you fear something, something, you know, anxiety and stuff like that. During that emotional distress that we have, we as human beings, we tend to make mistakes. Um, we read something like an email that's coming through and it says, all of a sudden it says, bold, urgent. I need this now. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. And you don't think. You just kind of react, right? And so in that moment of reaction, you've just let the hacker into your network. And that's how Uber got hacked. It was a social engineering attack through a phishing email. And basically the hacker compromised an employee's email. And then from that employee's email went on to fish other employees for data. And then through that phishing campaign, he was able to get loads of levels of different credentials. And eventually they got into their Slack messaging system. Basically Slack is like instant messenger, but it's it's like today's AOL for businesses. And they use that to communicate. And these hackers, man, I'm, I'm telling you, they're getting better and better. And what small businesses really need to worry about from top to bottom is everybody in their company. Because every person in the company is a 
doorway into your network. So you can only be as strongest as your weakest link. And if the manager, all the way to the owner, down to the service tech, to the dispatcher, if they're not understanding how these attacks are happening, they're going to get breached very easily. And 50% of data breaches come from phishing attacks. These social engineering attacks where these hackers are just, you know, they're throwing wide net casts out there and, and they're they're catching people by throwing that wide net out there and seeing how many people will click bait on it or download a malicious file. And that's how they're getting in. Sure. So these are those those emails that we're all starting to get these days where uh, maybe you won the lottery in Nigeria and you need to click on this link to uh, access your winnings, something like that. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, um, maybe 10 years ago, Matt, um, but they're a little bit more sophisticated these days because, um, like I said, everything that we do, all our communications, everything's online, Matt. So we have a lot of data out there that's online to no intent of our own that we're putting it out there for people to see. But, you know, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have our company website. So a lot of these phishing emails, Matt, they're they're starting to get more a little bit more targeted. So these hackers, they, they might send out a wide cast net and see who they get. But like the really good hackers, they're going to go doing a little bit of research. And this is more of a spear phishing email where they're doing the research and they're gathering information. They'll take a look at Jane Doe. Oh, she works in the HR department for Code and Heat AC. And and they'll do an impersonation email about Jane Doe and fake it and then send it to somebody else thinking that, thinking that, oh, this is from Jane Doe because that person is not really checking their email and they just say, oh, it's it's Jane Doe from HR. So basically they'll impersonate it. These hacks are, they're getting a little bit more specificated and they'll go even after high level executives, like a vice president, president, controller. And that's where the money really is because once you have like a controller or CFO in the company that somebody from the accounting department thinks that it's to control. Oh, okay, right away. I'll wire this money and boom, you might be out tens of thousands of dollars just like that. So you and I have talked about that specific situation. So I want to go into a little more detail there where someone pretends to be an executive in a company and they're sending an email to maybe a bookkeeper saying, okay, uh, yeah, I need you to transfer money from this account into this account. And and it looks like it's coming from that executive. And so the bookkeeper does it without really thinking about it. That's a big problem, number one. But how do we, how can we protect ourselves? Are there things we can do beyond just knowing that maybe we need to watch out for these things? Are there steps we can take as a business? So if someone's trying to impersonate company leader, we can do something about that? Oh, yeah, definitely, Matt. Um, basically, you want to create internal operational procedures or protocols mm -hmm. that you will follow through. Here at EDR, let's just say our president sends out an email and say, I need to wire this money. Well, the controller here, he's not just going to wire it. He's going to double check with the president. And we call that two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication. But this is really internally. Uh, we'll get into the two-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication. But this is just going to give us a secondary layer of security. Basically, the controller is going to call up the president just to make sure and verify that that email is being sent from him. And even though, let's just say the email address registers and it says bdrco.com and, and it's actually, you know, it's actually the president's email. Well, that's not to say that the email might have not been hacked already. It could possibly be the email was compromised. And now the hacker is sending out emails just saying, hey, wire this money, do this, do that, do that, right? And that's why we have these secondary layer of verification methods. And if something seems fishy, you're right to trust your instinct 
and get that extra verification. And that's what all companies should do. They should sit down internally with their management team and write out a list of protocols, uh, what we're going to do in these situations. And a lot of companies, if it's a amount, a high amount, over $500 or $1,000, it needs additional layers of verification. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And doing this preemptively before something happens is the way to go to figure out all these things. And it seems like Oh boy, I gotta now I gotta take the time to figure that out. Nothing's happened. It kind of reminds me of uh, in my personal life years ago. We our house was broken into, and at the time we didn't have an alarm system on it, and we never thought we needed one. But now that was the the first thing when I moved to a different house. That was the very first thing we did. It was like I'm gonna get an alarm on this house, so I'm gonna be preemptively ready if something happens. And that's what your recommendation is, and I love that to build these protocols and processes so that if a hacker tries to hack us, they can't. Can't, can't just happen right away. We've got some things, some protections in place. So that's great advice, Mark. Uh, let me ask you this. I want to dive back a little bit deeper into the social engineering attacks that you were talking about. We talked about, you used the term phishing, which is like fly phishing, but spelled a little bit differently. And am I correct that that's a, an attempt through email that a hacker or, might use for a cyber attack? Are there other similar types of attacks that you can tell us about? Yeah, Matt, there's plenty of attacks. And these hackers, they have a wide range of tools. So phishing, yeah, fly phishing, but we, we spell it with a PH, right? P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, phishing. There's other attacks. There's also smishing, which is, it's it's basically another way of saying SMS attacks, which is SMS is your text messages that you get on your phone. We've all gotten those before where our phones might be, you get a random text message that says, hey, you won the lottery or hey, I need you to send money, et cetera, et cetera, or, you know, click here and don't click on that. The text message, if it's not from somebody that you recognize, don't click on it. You click on it, your phone could get compromised. And if our phones get compromised these days, that's our mini computer that we carry and it has everything, you know, our email, our banking account, apps, everything that's on there, Google Maps and everything. If they get a hold of your phone and you get compromised, you're in a world of hurt. So that's another type of attack. We also have vishing as another way of saying voice. Just think of vishing as V for voice. So voice attack, they can pretend that, hey, uh, say they call in and they go, hey, I'm from Comcast, you know, I'm checking in, trying to reroute your router and your network and stuff like that. And then they also, by the time you're done talking to them, they got your username and password to your router. And that's that's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be, you're going to be in a world of hurt if that ever happens. Yeah. So those are, those are two other ways besides phishing emails. Um, they can attack you through what we call a waterhole. They'll basically monitor your network to see where you are trafficking a lot on the websites. And so let's just say you're a small business and you're using Home Depot's website a lot, right? The hacker will create a fake Home Depot website and basically send it to you and wait until you go into their website and then hack you through that way. Wow. It's a feeling a little bit like life's becoming a James Bond or a Mission Impossible film <laughs> with all this going on that we have to face. So I'm glad we're talking about it so that we can get educated and, and be prepared. Now I want to change direction a little bit. You said something that really resonated with me a little earlier about everyone is a doorway into your company. I think that leads to... Um, a great question I wanted to ask is, who in a business needs to know about cybersecurity? 
Well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So everybody from top to bottom map has to be in the know-how and have proper training in cybersecurity. Because you don't have proper training, you're not recognizing these attacks. And when you don't recognize the attack, you're more likely susceptible to these attacks. So training is very important from top to bottom, everybody. In cybersecurity, we have this model where cybersecurity is the job of everyone. And that truly is. So imagine this, your business is a castle and you you think that um, you put a moat around your castle and, and that's your like firewall or antivirus that you have. Well, how are your employees going to get to your castle? They need a gate, it's like a drawbridge, right? So at every drawbridge, you got to have a manual operator. Well, imagine that manual operator as one of your employees, right? They're going to draw down the bridge and they're going to lift the bridge up. Well, they are the gateway into your company. So at every drawbridge, they got to have the proper training. They got to be able to identify, hey, is this friend or Every day we're being attacked. And, you know, if they don't understand these cybersecurity hygiene principles, then your company's in big, big trouble. Yeah. And I, I would add to, uh, if you have children, to educate them on cybersecurity. I, I went to you the other day because my son gave out his username and password for one of the online video games that he plays to someone else. And I was in a panic that our whole home network was exposed. Luckily, it wasn't. But uh, you gave me some resources on how to educate my son. And I actually had him complete those uh, classes as part of his <laughs> making it up to the family situation for for, uh, for doing that. So I think that educational piece is, is right on. And don't forget your kids if you've got kids. When you're talking about educating our team members, Mark, what shape does that take? How do, how do we get that done? Well, Matt, just to, uh, I just want to add this to that, but most definitely these cybersecurity training and hygiene practices, they, they're not only for small business, but they can also impact your personal life. I just want to add this, Matt. I've been a victim of identity theft before. It's not very fun. And I think that was probably one of the big reasons why it prompted me to go into the direction of cybersecurity, Matt. But word of advice to everyone, don't ever carry your social security card in your wallet. I happened to have it that day and this was a physical breach, but they broke into my car, took my gym bag, and, you know, the next is history on dealing with this mess of identity theft for the last three, I think three to five years I've been dealing with this issue. And it's, it's just one hack after another. And they're, and they're going after uh, bank accounts online and, and mm -hmm. putting my name out there for um, getting uh, loans, student loans, car loans, <laughs> you name it. Oh I've been there. So, yeah. And all these practices, even if you did get hacked, it could limit your exposure and your vulnerability out there. So the easiest way to educate the team is through cybersecurity training. And now there's many websites out there that can give cybersecurity training. You can pay for it. And then, you know, there are um, free governmental help or cybersecurity training. But the websites that do cost money, it might get pretty expensive. And as a small business, you might not be able to afford that. But I can give you a few tips that are free and it doesn't cost anything that you can do to protect yourself. So we already went over operational procedures and protocols. That's one way to be preemptive on that. And so that you're, you know, you're stopping the cyber attack before it really happens. But another way is just to turn on multi-factor authentication, MFA. Most banking apps will have it these days. Uh, you can turn it on for almost any email addresses or email domains that you might have. So even if a Google email, you can have a Google authenticator app on. If you have a more sophisticated email address, you can probably definitely turn it on. If you can't turn it on, 
on. Talk to whoever's hosting your email and see if they can find a way to turn it on. But having MFA, what's that? Well, MFA is multi-factor authentication. It's a secondary layer of authentication. So it goes beyond just the regular password. Hey, password is my password or whatever, right? MFA actually is a piece of app that is tagged to your phones and you can authenticate it through SMS uh, text messaging, or you can get them a secondary authentication through your email. So let's say the hacker, they were able to data mine all your information, Matt, and they realized that you love tennis. They were able to guess that your password was tennis2020. Well, shoot, you're basically out of luck because they've already broken your password. But because you have MFA, it's going to ask for a secondary layer of verification and it's going to ring to your phone, which you should have on you at all times. Because if you lose your phone, you're going to report that it's lost or stolen, right? And then hopefully the phone company will get you a new phone and you reset your MFA and all that stuff. But because you have that MFA on your phone, they're not able to get into your bank account now. They're not able to get into your BDR account or anything like that because you have that secondary layer. And that's what's protecting a lot of businesses. The reason why Uber got hacked was they did the social engineering attack and they were like, hey, give it to me now, 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 now. And employees at Uber weren't trained well enough, lack of training. And that lack of training basically allowed them in. And so MFA is one way small businesses can protect themselves, training and recognizing, knowing what a phishing attack looks like, right? Seeing an email and saying, hey, this email looks scammy. It's playing on my emotions. I'm checking the email address. Is it an email address from a sender that I recognize? Mm, oh, okay. So what is it asking me? It's asking me for weird, odd things to do, right? It's asking me to transfer money or asking me to click here, go here, download this, right? All of these are red flags that when you see in a phishing email, you should be able to recognize, your employees should be able to recognize and run away. Delete that email or report it to your IT team if you have an IT team. That way they could blacklist it and make sure that email never comes through again. So those are a few ways that small businesses protect themselves. Yeah, that's great advice. and. I think we can give a little bit of a preview that eventually BDR is going to have some training resources to help train your team on cybersecurity issues with your help, Mark, uh, in the future. So stay tuned for that. Let me ask you a little different question, another type of protection. You know, for a lot of things these days, we've got insurance. You know, we've got vehicle insurance, we've got health insurance that helps us if something goes wrong in a situation. Is there something similar for cyber attacks and what size business needs to think about that? Yeah, most well, certainly. Um, you can buy cyber insurance, cyber liability insurance for almost any size business, Matt. It just depends on what type of insurance you're looking for. And the very awesome thing is if you don't know anything about what your network is, your devices, how things are working, cyber insurance companies, they'll send you a questionnaire that you'll have to self-answer like a self-assessment. And basically, you're going to evaluate your, your system, your network, and all your securities. Say if you have, you're taking credit cards, right? That's important because you have to be PCI compliant. And so there's going to be a lot of questions on that regarding, hey, how are you storing the customer's data on the credit cards? What do you do with the credit card information and all that stuff? So all these questions are going to help you identify what your cybersecurity risks are to the insurance company. And it's going to let you know because you're evaluating yourself. You know these answers. The insurance company doesn't know. 
So you're going to evaluate it and then you're going to say, oh, okay, well, looks like my business might need a million dollars. So what does, you know, a million dollars of cyber insurance look like? On average, that's about 145 bucks a month. And I'll tell you this, that $145 a month, it's a great way to hedge your losses in the event of a breach. And when you're looking at cyber insurance, you want to make sure that you're looking for a cyber insurance company that's going to cover multiple areas. Because, you know, cyber attacks is still new and this whole cyber insurance it's not new, but it's new enough where there's a little bit of a gray area. So you want to make sure that when you're looking at a cyber insurance, that's going to cover data damage lost or restoration coverages, damaged or destroyed hardware, business interruptions, because certainly when you get hacked, your businesses could go down. Cyber extortion. The other major cost is forensic investigation, where you're going to hire a cybersecurity expert to go through your data and make sure, figure out how the cyber attack even happened. That might even cost $15,000, up, upwards to $15,000. So these are some of the things that you want to look for when you're looking for a cyber insurance. And it would be helpful, just, just even if you you know, don't have the resources or you're not thinking about it, go talk to a cyber or insurance company and see if they provide cyber insurance and then do the self-evaluation, the self-assessment. It will give you a good idea of how well your business is protected right now. Okay. That's great stuff, Mark. Thank you for that on cyber insurance. Now, are there any other resources for companies that they can want to learn more about cybersecurity and how to protect themselves? Oh, yeah, definitely not. There's tons of resources out there. I'm going to name off a few resources that I think will be helpful. So as you know, cybersecurity has become huge after the pandemic or even during the pandemic. And the government recognizes that now. And they're realizing that, oh, my gosh, our infrastructure, all of our businesses, even small businesses need help on understanding cybersecurity. So what the U.S. government has done and mostly these organizations such as the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, FCC, which is the Federal Communications Commission, and the NIST, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. They all have on their website free cybersecurity modules and free cybersecurity training. For you as an employer or as a business to get on there and train yourself and train your employees. Um, and I'm hoping that uh, we'll put the links down below so that our audience, they can click on those links and be able to go on there and get some free cybersecurity training. Oh, that's awesome, Mark. Thank you for that direction. We will include those links, Federal Trade Commission, FCC, NIST, some resources there for us on education. Man, this has been a great conversation, Mark. I loved many things that you said, like having good cyber hygiene, the things we've got to do on a regular basis, staying educated. Everyone is a doorway into your company. So that's why we've got to educate our team and, and ourselves about cybersecurity. And then you gave us some great ways to protect ourselves with the internal process and protocols, multi-factor authentication, and now these resources that we'll include in the show notes. Any other final thoughts here as we wrap up our conversation today? Yeah, if I could leave one thought with everybody is um, cybersecurity is a real threat and it's very important for small businesses to engage in proper cybersecurity training. You might not think that your business is hackable or they're not going to even worry about that. But imagine if, like I said earlier on with the Internet of Things and these hackers, they're trying to use you as a gateway into a bigger company. They bombard your website, the website that you use to commercialize, to market yourself as a small business. 
they bombard the website in a DDoS attack, and now your website goes down, right? All of a sudden, you know, you can't market yourself, your, your website's down, clients can't go to the website, you're potentially out of thousands of dollars per day. So the best word of advice I can give everybody is remember, cybersecurity is the job of everyone. And in order for you to protect yourself, everyone within your organization, top to bottom, have to understand these principles. And if they practice these principles and have good cyber hygiene, you're going to be able to safeguard your data and your company much better than a company that doesn't have these practices in place. Absolutely. Well, that's well said, Mark. Thank you for all the great information you shared. The digital world gives us a lot of opportunity, but it also creates a lot of vulnerability. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Mark. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for having me. And uh, I can't wait until uh, EDR launches this cybersecurity training for our audience members. Yeah, we will have those resources in the future. And I wouldn't be surprised if we've got another podcast or two to record you and I on this subject. So thank you, Mark. And thanks everyone for listening. We will catch you next time.